from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What a weekend. I know. Uh, so much activity. So much activity. What did we, we, we... We did two things. We did two things. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, we, went, we got to go to a party for our friend's uh, yeah. bar that they've owned. Uh, for a, a year now, right? It was two, their, years. two years. It was their two years. Two year anniversary party. Bob and Harriet's home bar in Atlanta. That's right. Uh, awesome. Some of our favorite people in the world own that place, and we always have such a good time there. Yeah, and it was packed. So oh I was God. just so proud of them. I was yes. like, oh my, because I mean, they it's two year anniversary, right? So do the math. They opened a bar in 2020. Yep. Like that just happened to be <laughs> when the opportunity came up. Oops. But I know they were kind of like, what am I doing? Yeah. This is insane, you know. And so I'm just so happy that they have landed, right. you know, so well. And they're such great people that it's like. Yay, cool people succeeding, you know. <laughs> I definitely thought it was going to be like a friends and family party. Uh-huh, and then we got no. there and it was like, a, oh, no, this is the entire neighborhood. It was insane. Yeah. But that was so, I mean, again, I was just like, yeah. No, it was great. Karaoke mm-hmm. and tequila. So fun. Um, yeah. I sang something. You sure did. And so did you. You sang Criminal. That's right. And you sang Foolish great. Games. Yeah, it wasn't my best. I don't know about that. I do have a full recording of it. No, I look, I'm telling you. <laughs> 
I like Foolish Games is my karaoke song. And I am confident mm-hmm. in what I do with that song. Mm-hmm. I love to do it. It's never it's never done me wrong. But I didn't even try on some of those notes that oh, night right because I was too far gone. Woo. I don't I, rem- I really I need to set a rule for myself on karaoke, and it's like three drink maximum. <laughs> uh, beyond that, just save it for next time. I cannot rem- recall how I sang. How well, well I, I have a video criminal, of that too, but I doubt it was great. <laughs> I have a video from that, except I was. It was also well past. Uh, my point of no return, and I'm screaming from behind the camera along with you. <laughs> so it's a so mess. We can't hear anything. It's a mess. <laughs> well, it's for the best that we don't upload these yes. things. I suppose one day we'll do a good round of karaoke, and y'all can, y'all can yeah. uh, be. I don't know what the word is. Delighted. We'll have in karaoke. Some way, shape, yeah, at Ridiculcon. Oh, karaoke Ridiculcon. We'll have to have our theme song as one yes. of the choices. Totally. So everyone can sing it with us. Well, that sounds. That would be really fun. Uh, well, so glad to have you back for part two. Of course, I am Eli. I'm Diana. And uh, this is, uh, you caught us right in the middle of a of an amazing story. Yeah, for real. We didn't yeah. even know this was going to be two parts no, when we set out to record it. I swear, I know. And I, I am so sorry because we we like to split our two-parters up between Wednesdays and Fridays. So you don't have to right. wait over the whole weekend to get and the rest we of like the story. to know so that we can be like, and don't like hang on to your butts because there's yeah. more coming <laughs> in part two, you know, yeah. but like we didn't even know that this time. No, <laughs> but yeah. we just kept it going. Yep. But part two is, Going to be awesome because we still have so much to cover about the purple people cult. Yes. And don't call them purple people. They don't yeah. like that. And don't call it a cult. Don't call it a cult. Necessarily. We're going to we figure that out. We have to decide that. Um, I will start off by saying Eli is not on LSD. I'm just oh, going to disappoint all of you that's right, right away. I did say I was going to do LSD. We were going to find some, but never happened. I had a little too much uh, TEQ. The other night, and I'm still recovering. So, <laughs> no LSD for me Poor today mom. or anytime soon, probably because those days are behind me. Those days only happened once, and it was a great time. I, bet. Yeah, I was good. Yeah, it was. I was good. You're like, that was that's enough. fine. That was <laughs> One and done for me, yeah. for holy life. Yeah. <laughs> Well, when last we left you, we had gone over, you know, the purple house and the purple limousines that the people of Lafayette Morehouse live in and travel in. Mm -hmm. And we had discussed kind of their basic philosophy. We talked about their public orgasm demonstration. Oh, God, yeah. Sometimes, what, three days? No, three three hours. hours. (laughs) Three three hours. Three days. Now that is That's like only Sting can do that. (laughs) How did, who fed Diana? <laughs> she sat there for know, three right? days upon well, the I'm gynecological feed you, table. But if you get distracted by the food, I'm going to stop. I, exactly. You, know? you better get back to that nursery rhyme, girl. Yep. <laughs> uh, we also talked a little bit about some of the courses that they teach, uh-huh. like basic and advanced sensuality, and of course their 69 course, right. <laughs> Mutual Stimulation, or whatever that long-ass title was. We asked you for some course ideas for this school. True. Please send them our way. Don't forget. <laughs> But we still have to talk about Moore University, Ooh. which was their accredited university that they had for a number of years. And, of course, all of the controversies about this group, of which there are many. They run the gamut from run-of-the-mill allegations of monetary exploitation, ho-hum, <laughs> to stories about, like, faux slave auctions oh, and accusations no. of them being a cult. And stuff like that. Yeah. So there's still so, so much more to cover. Um, 
and uncover. Oh. So let's get to it. <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show ridiculous romance. A production of iHeartRadio. So by 1977, the Institute had been established as the Moore University, and they were empowered by the state of California to give out bachelors of humanities, masters in communications, and doctorates on lifestyles and sexuality. Can yeah. you imagine? Oh, what are you a doctor of? Doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right the this way, doctor. The two-handed do. <laughs> the two-handed do. That's literally one of their courses. The two-handed do. Oh my god. Uh, paging doctor do. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it makes it hard because, like, they're like Doctor Victor Baranco and Doctor Cindy Baranco uh-huh. and doctors, like all these doctors, and I'm like, mm, I don't know if I want to call you a doctor. I know, right? My doctor, an I- actual doctor, told me. To go orgasm my way through a yeast okay. infection. Like I, <laughs> like I have some doctors in my family, and just uh-huh. thinking of what they had to go through, yeah, I'm right. just like they deserve it more. And I the don't bank know. of knowledge in their minds, okay, based on repeated, you know, study and experimentation, mm-hmm. proven results, right? A lot of work. I mean, which they feel that they are doing a lot of experimentation yeah. and sharing their results, but right. it's just again, it's just different. It just feels different, and I don't want to call him a doctor. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, experimentation on, like, the human genome versus right. cranking it. Yeah, cranking it. <laughs> and these are, like, peer-reviewed, you know, right? So, like, I don't know. There are many different kinds of doctors out there who deserve Absolutely. to be called doctors who aren't, you know, uh, studied medical doctors necessarily mm-hmm. or scientists or whatever. I just don't know if the masturbation school. I, yeah, I don't is... know. <laughs> well, anyway, at the time, it would cost you around $43,000 to complete a doctorate at Moore University. And that's, that's a lot for college today. Yeah, it is. But if you convert that to Calculate modern dollars, it would be over $314,000. Woo! That's Ivy League shit. Right? And at the time, people weren't used to paying much for higher education. But like we said, even today, this is an insane amount of money. Who would pay for that? Can you imagine going to your mom being like, give me a check. I'm going to go learn how to masturbate better. (laughs) It's only $314,000. Right? (laughs) I got my doctorate. I know. In grabbing my dick. All right. Suddenly there are some student loans I don't want forgiven. (laughs) But you know what? I never would have learned to do it in the bathtub if they had if they if I hadn't, hadn't taken that class. Morehouse. <laughs> in addition to paying for courses, Morehouse evaluates, as the newbies are called, they would pay monthly to live in the Purple Palace. But they also had to clean and cook and help fix the place up because house elite like Victor and other long term residents they didn't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. They sat back and just enjoyed their hedonism. That's right. They're just dropping acid and getting laid. Right. Doing and, they, each other. and they served Victor like, oh my God. you know, they would they do did. business deals for him or like the ladies would make cookies or whatever. Uh-huh. Like Victor really did not have to do shit oh my God. of anyone. I mean, even 
the at the Oneida compound. Even right. he did more. Even he did. Mm-hmm. But as these folks insisted to Robin Green, this wasn't selfish on the elite's behalf. Ken Brown, the president of the Institute in 1971, told Robin, quote, As Victor would say, the way to enjoy your life is to do whatever anybody wants you to do, to be a slave. Everyone is afraid that they're going to get conned or had or cheated or done in, or they think they're going to have their souls stolen or something, so they'll never be slaves. But that is exactly what you want to do. That's what I mean by unselfishly serving the world. I'm, I'm hearing him say this. He's like, you know, people always think they're going to get conned or had mm-hmm. or cheated or done in or ripped off or I'm going to like steal all the money out of your wallet when you're not looking. And mm-hmm. I'm like, are you just saying what you're going to do? But to you me? are doing that. <laughs> So the idea being these evaluates serve by doing chores and so on, and the elites serve by teaching the evaluates. Basically, yeah. Classic, like, you're doing your part Mm -hmm. by feeding me grapes as I lay on my couch, and I'm doing my part by eating those grapes. Well, and it's very, (laughs) yeah, and it's so, like, mm, it's very insidious to me to kind of try to convince people that what you want is for me to be happy. Do you right. know what I'm saying? Right. What you want is to give me everything I ask for. Yeah. And then, of course, what I want is for you to have everything you want to, of course. Right. But, like, it just looks so different. But it's also something, like, just overall that shitty thing people do where they're like, oh, I hated that hazing. I can't wait till I'm one of the ones that do yeah. the hazing. Yeah, Instead definitely. of, like, I don't want that. So, I didn't, I mean, I didn't like that. So, let's not do it anymore. Right. right. If you go through hell, then you'll be in a position one day to put someone else through hell. Right. Why not take the hell out of it? Right. It's like when people are like, I can't stand that younger people have it easier than I did. And I'm like, I thought we are all working to make the world easier all the time for everyone. Right. That inherently means younger people are going to have it easier than us or should. Uh And we're doing a damn fine job at leaving them a much worse world. Terrible place. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh. I want you to have what you want, and what you want is to serve me. Right, and you're so right. That's exactly what I want. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. So the, in a way, they're all they're all like, yes, I'm fully in. I'm very enthusiastic. Uh-huh. But I'm like, mm, are you? I, I don't know. So he's literally telling people that they want to be slaves and that he's happy to oblige. Right, but, but that he's also a slave yeah. in, in his way as well. Right, that, right. that we're all, if, if, if you're, which in a way I kind of get if you're living in a group setting, right? Because you're like, the point is, if you live together, you can't be super selfish. You have to make room for other people's needs right, and wants. Right. And that means subsuming some of your own. Unless we all agree that what you want is what I want. And that way we all get more of what we want. Yeah. And fewer people are unhappy. So he's saying that everyone, including himself, wants to be a slave. Mm-hmm. But don't worry, it gets worse. <laughs> um, because in Robin's 1972 follow-up, Beyond Shazam, she mentions an April Renaissance Fair at one Morehouse location, quote, with such events scheduled as a slave auction. What? Where luscious slave girls and young studs are sold for a day to the highest bidder. Which is like the most unacceptable thing 
I've ever heard from a sex cult, I, I think. I know. I'm, I'm like, even if you're like, okay, sure, I'm down to be a slave for a day for someone, that still feels so weird and yeah. awful. It's no. like stage a slave auction. No disgusting. one should take part in that. I don't care how consenting you are to the mm-hmm. idea of like servitude and everything like that. This is just an unacceptable mm-hmm. uh, setup, you know, no. uh, not okay. Robin also shares a story about a resident named Judas who said that his life had gotten, quote, phenomenally better since joining. But only a few weeks after he said that, his wife died by suicide. Now, Robin writes, quote, that weekend, Victor and Judas devoted a $65 course to a discussion of Susan's death. That just puts such a bad taste in my mouth. That's terrible. That somebody killed herself yeah, because of whatever reason. I don't know if it's related to this right. lifestyle, if it, whatever. She might have had some other issues that were going on, had mm-hmm. nothing to do with this. Who cares? You charge somebody $65 to listen to a discussion about someone's life who's no longer here to speak for themselves. Right, right. And tell you, it just is a pretty weird, gross yeah. thing to do to me yeah. to like try to monetarily gain off of that. And if I'm like... Very sympathetic to Judas here and just imagining that he's like really broken and and hurt by this. Then I absolutely think that Victor came in and convinced him to do this thing in in a state where he wasn't really capable of of Uh thinking clearly. It's true. Um, You know, uh, the the not being sympathetic to Victor, it's possible that he just didn't really care that much about her and thought, oh, this is a good opportunity for make 65 bucks a head. Right. That's either it. it's way, either it's Victor and Judas suck or just Victor sucks. Yeah. But it sucks. Like yeah. that's just a g- really gross thing Mm-mm. to do. Now I have to say that these articles written by Robin Green, they might not have been written in good faith. Okay. I will okay, say that. Okay. Because in Joe Hagen's biography of Jan Wenner, who is the founder and editor of Rolling Stone, this biography is called Sticky Fingers, The Life and Times of Jan Wenner. Mm-hmm. He writes that Jan's mother had gotten really into Morehouse. Oh. Um, she divorced his dad. She hung out with Vic a lot in the oh, front okay. seat of his purple car. Okay. So there's her some... Win- her hair blowing in the winds. Some journalistic bias maybe going on here. Exactly. So Joe wrote in the biography, quote, In an Oedipal rage, Jan Winner attacked Barranco in the only way he knew how. He assigned writer Robin Green, his resident assassin, to profile Barranco in Rolling Stone and really expose him for the hustler he was. Okay, okay. Fun fact, Robin Green went on to um, win some Emmys for writing episodes of The Sopranos. Oh, good for her. So she maybe was an assassin. I don't know. (laughs) She knew about mafia stuff. (laughs) She did, she did. I don't know. I was just like, who's a resident assassin at The Rolling Stone? uh, Right. So it's possible that, that, you know, this is a hit piece. Basically. But he did say, go expose him for the hustler he is. So she might have just dug extra hard to find the real shit. This is what I'm wondering. Because I'm yeah. like, I don't think, you know, these are quotes from people. I don't right. think that she misrepresented anything they said. Uh-huh. But she might have picked and chosen very carefully yeah. what she wanted to show us. Yeah. Or she asked some leading questions. Mm. Or she only asked certain people. I mean, there's plenty of ways to to very <laughs> ca- carefully cater I'm your just, article. I'm imagining her showing up at the campus and being like, all right, I'm going to dig deep and find this out. And the first guy she talks to is like, yeah, we had a slave auction last week. <laughs> She's like, okay, this is going to be easier than I thought. <laughs> wow, this is, easy. This is very simple. Uh, thank you for doing my job for me. <laughs> I guess I can go. <laughs> 
And the allegations that she has of monetary exploitation in these articles have not been repeated since 1972. Okay. So maybe it really is just kind of, you know, this yawn trying to be like, I don't like my mom's new boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. And as you said, it must be said, Victor never hid being a hustler. He was proud of being a hustler. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ken Brown, who again was the president of the Institute in 1971, said, quote, It's a good scam. We call ourselves hustlers and other people marks. Victor hustles their asses and their souls. He takes their dough to feed himself, but he sees to it that they win too. Mm. We only hustle people for their own benefit. I know if they put their hard-earned money into the Institute, they'll win by committing that much. It's up to them whether or not they feel victimized. Okay. So that, exactly, <laughs> that is where I have the problem because I'm like, I could totally see someone being like, this is a, this is a, this is a hustle, but it's going to turn out so much better for you. I'm picturing a mom being like, eat your vegetables, like bacon, yeah, sure. bacon, oh, sure. here's chocolate, but it's a broccoli. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> so whatever. I'm like, so there are definitely hustles that people do that are better for you yeah. in the long run, right? Yeah. But then that little quote about it's up to you whether or not you feel victimized Mm -hmm. is that thing of like, oh, you're really responsible for all your feelings and emotions. And so if you feel bad, that's on you. That's not anything I did. And that feels very much like stepping away from your own actions and consequences of your actions and kind of being like, that's all your problem. And there's so many like cults and MLMs yes. and uh, all sorts of schemes uh-huh. and even some religions that are out there. And they're saying, well, but I've got hundreds of examples of people who really benefited from this. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's a good thing. Right. And they don't mention the thousands of people who were done wrong by them, who lost Very all true. their money, who mm-hmm. were ended up in a worse situation than they started. They're like, well, that's their fault. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to like a like a, this modeling school when I was younger. I'll omit Ooh. the name, but it was a big one. And uh, and it was that. I mean, they had they 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 grabbed you at the mall and brought you into this seminar. And they're like, you have what it takes. I'm I, they brought me into a private room mm-hmm. with an agent and said, we saw 500 people today, but you're the one. Wow. And you're, if you come take our classes, we are really going to get you somewhere. And, you know, obviously they tell literally every person that. Mm -hmm. But you feel special. Mm -hmm. I got some bad advice from a teacher who used to work for them. Um, And I did it. And I got there and I was like, there are people who paid their money to this organization and found success. I'm guessing like 5%. Mm. Because the way they make all their money is by the many, 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 many people who get in there and don't. Because they're not really offering you that much. They're mm-hmm. letting you pay them for you to do the work. Oh, you wow. Know? So it's it, it just gives me those kinds of vibes mm-hmm. where they're like, look at all these people that are perfectly happy in this place. And I am all over Speculation Station right now because I never interviewed a single one of these people. And there clearly <laughs> are some people who loved it and were perfectly happy going through this whole purple experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you got to wonder. I know. but when, that- when this guy says that, it's like it's your fault if you didn't. Have a good time. Right. If you feel like I took your money, then yeah. oh well. Mm-hmm. But you should feel like I took it for a good reason, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Oh, I, sorry. I guess you didn't want to be a slave like, <laughs> like mean, a normal person. Ne- next time somebody knocks the window out of the car, I'll be like, well, I'll travel hard not to feel victimized yeah, right, right now, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just a very weird thing to yeah. say. But, you know, we're talking about money here, but money wasn't the only problem going on. Mm-hmm. 
Because according to a 1994 article called University of Sex by K.L. Billen, Victor established a nonprofit that was called Turn On to America in order to collect government and foundation funds for housing unplaceable foster children, parolees, and alcoholics. I mean, that sounds like a good program. That's nice. Right. You know, and they had the space, I guess. Sure. Neighbors would complain, though, about drug use and trash. They said hypodermic needles would often be thrown over their fences. Mm -hmm. And then various allegations were brought up, too. In 1978, Contra Costa County health officials reported a three-year-old girl developing gonorrhea at the Lafayette house. Mm. Now, no charges were ever brought to her parents, so we're not really sure exactly what came of all this. I They did have to pay a fine, mm. or they agreed to pay a fine. Okay. But... Th- yeah, what happened? How did she get it? I that's that's sticky. Yes. That same year, the county sheriff's office said they had evidence of sexual molestation of underage kids and illegal drug use, but for unknown reasons, the investigation was called off and no charges were ever brought. Now, that's weird, right? Because yeah. Was it called off because they really didn't have evidence and they mm-hmm. were just like, look at these weirdos, you know? Or was it called off for some, like, somebody paid somebody something say, or somebody was, knew somebody somewhere? Was or? it called off because the guy at the head of this organization definitely had mafia ties and charged people $300,000 a year to go to his college and it's probably true. had a shit ton of money in a in the walls? Yeah, he definitely had a lot of money. I mean, that you know, there's no reason to... Th- I, again, speculation station. Right. He paid somebody off, uh-huh. but but there's no at all any allegations that he paid anyone off. There's no evidence. No one ever said that. Yeah, like, but if you're good at it, like it's isn't true. That how it goes? But that usually you hear some whispers. So it's just so odd that they decided they were like, "We got evidence, but we're not doing anything about it." Like, yeah. why not? I think you only hear whispers when it doesn't go well. Okay, that's I fair. I think the good that's payoffs fair. you never know anything you don't about. Know shit about it. That's why would we? And how could we know? I don't know if we don't. Yeah. Creepy. Also, like, yeah, I feel a little uncomfortable with the sex commune saying, let's take in a bunch of orphan kids. You know, it kind of sounds unsavory. Yeah. And they're very impressionable when they're younger. Maybe, you know, maybe they if they really want to do good, they donate some funds to an existing organization that already has a reputation of taking care of orphan kids. Very you know, true. Don't start your own and your at your sex house. That's, that's just, weird. That's just common advice, I would say. If you yeah. ever have an idea like, oh, I should start a nonprofit for this reason, go Google it. There might yeah. already be an organization that exists for that exact purpose. Yep. And help them. And out. now you don't have to compete for funds. Right. You can just help them with their mission. Yeah. Or start a nonprofit, which just from experience, I want to tell <laughs> you, you don't want to do that. <laughs> now in nineteen eighty the head of the Moore Department of Medical Science, Dr. Mark Hirsch, had his license revoked because he had been prescribing excessive amounts of narcotics and mood-altering drugs. Hmm. Interestingly, that same year, Mark married Susie, Vic's ex-wife, Purple Susie. Purple Susie. That is interesting. Now, for their part, Moore University has filed multiple libel lawsuits against newspapers and Contra Costa County, Although they rarely won. So that's good because if they come after us. <laughs> Fortunately, they might lose. Hey, we put all this in speculation that's right. and all the dirty accusations. <laughs> We're safe here. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're always ready to sue anybody who says anything crazy about them. Okay. Um, and I guess that 
people don't necessarily have the evidence they need to uphold it in court. Yeah. Either. Yeah. So it's like nobody really wins these lawsuits or, you know, they just kind of fizzle out, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Get dropped. Okay. Speaking of dropped, uh, it's been a minute, so I think it's time for us to drop some commercials on you all. Uh, but stay tuned because we'll be right back right after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married yeah. at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation <laughs> yeah. that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. We create magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up... <laughs> You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is she breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. 
His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready. To, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to the show, everybody. So in the mid-'80s, The U.S. government really wanted to crack down on all the universities and colleges that had started around the nation Mm -hmm. that weren't really schools. They were just kind of, quote unquote, diploma mills. Right. Yeah. Now, some of these schools, they were real brick and mortar places you could go and you could learn things about herbal medicine or hypnotism. But, you know, they're kind of like out there topics and maybe the information isn't very verified or, yeah. you know, it's a little bit like cagey whether or not it's good info. Right, right. Some of these schools really only had a P.O. box. Oh. You paid your money and they mailed you a diploma. Damn. Period. You never opened a book or attended a class, nothing. So in the government's view, this is unfair to the general public because, of course, many of us are trying to pick doctors and nurses and uh-huh. so on. And we don't look at their school. We don't go and research what school they went to. You know, you just see a diploma and you're like, great, good time. So now we can't trust any of the qualifications we're seeing. So they're like, we really got to crack down on these fake schools. But at the time, they had no existing qualifications for a good college or a real college. Like, they had nothing for it. So they kind of had to make it up. They had to start creating those qualifications. Mm. And Moore University was a big part of California figuring out what made a real school. So the evaluators showed up in, like, 1986, and they did not like what they saw at Moore. Yeah. Um, First of all, there was no required reading whatsoever. No books anywhere. The only library there is one that is full of hundreds of videotapes of orgasm demonstrations. Wow. Yeah. There were no— And you just know those are, like, VHS, bad lighting— Oh, definitely. Well, they have a little, they have a state-of-the-art, like, television studio. (laughs) And the center of attention is the gynecological table. Sure. So that might actually be well, very well lit. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But, like, they're labeled, like, Vic's birthday and stuff. Oh, my God. Just, yeah. No, nobody, it's just a very specialized (laughs) library. Old 60 Minutes episodes. Do not watch. (laughs) (laughs) There were also no financial records available when they were like, hey, we want to see, like, you know, your income, revenue, profit, loss. They were like, nope, we don't have none of that. Wow. There were no qualifications for the faculty except that they must be more alumni. So the evaluators were like, okay, some of y'all are, have your doctorate from more. Can we see your theses? You know, your dissertations that you oh, wrote. to get theses. To, your theses. With a TH. I thought we were back to the poop thing. <gasps> Sorry. Go Can ahead. your feces? Different school. We'd like to see your feces. Yeah, that's a different school. (laughs) That's a real science school. Um, (laughs) No. So they're like, you got dissertations. Surely, can we see them? And they gave them a box with 11 inside. Most of them were handwritten and unbound. Hmm. And one evaluator is quoted in the University of Sex article saying, 
One woman wrote that Vic had kept a stimulation of a student going for seven hours, and why couldn't her boyfriend do that? That was her thesis. (laughs) In this essay, I will wonder what the hell's wrong with my boyfriend's dick. (laughs) Also, I guess he needs to take another class. (laughs) Yeah, right. He could be doing me like that. Again, I'm thinking of all the doctors in my family and the things they had to do (laughs) to get their dissertations. The months they spent on writing. It was a lot more than like, well, what the hell's wrong with this guy? Well, in 1992, a guy named Alan Steele, who was a hypnotherapist from Florida who treats sexual disorders, which, (laughs) hang on a second, (laughs) Alan Steele treating sexual disorders. That's like... Come on, that's like Dr. Tooth is your dentist. (laughs) Or like Dr. Stone works on your kidneys. Come on. That's, what do they call that? Determinative determinative nominism? Is that what that's called? Yeah, it's like that Harry Potter thing. Or nominal determinism, that's what it is. Nominal determinism. Yeah, where your name tells you what you're going to Yeah, your name is Newt Scamander, so you're like, I guess I work with animals. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Specifically lizards. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... Uh, Alan Steele wrote a letter to the California Council for Private Post-Secondary Education about Moore University, who he and his wife had paid nearly $50,000 for graduate courses. He wrote, quote, While I was living on campus, there was encouragement to use illegal drugs, including the availability to purchase illegal drugs. They also engage in prostitution, that is, sex for money, with quotas of conquests, which, if not met, results in threats of physical violence and exclusion. Yikes! Moore University responded by filing a $120 million libel lawsuit against Alan Steele, who stood by his accusations. One paper sent an undercover reporter to take some classes there, and they reported the teacher, quote, asking them to strip and use mirrors to take a visual inventory of their bodies. And homework questions asked whether they would have sex with men, little people, paraplegics, and animals. Why do you need to know that? That's not... Why is that useful? Why is that useful? I will say Alan Steele's prostitution claims seem to be verified by that slave auction. Because even if they are fully fine with that and everything, that's still sex for money, is it not? Yeah. I don't know about these quotas that he's talking about, but... right. There is there is that. Yeah, I mean that's that that tracks. I wonder how that hold up in court if you'd be like, "Well, they were know. paying me for me to hang out with them all day." There, not there, yeah, can sex, you prove the know. sex? I mean, courts happens. go pretty aggressively after it's sex true. workers, so possibly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But Moore University maintained its accreditation and its uneasy truce with the neighbors. Wow. Until the early 1990s, when they started using military surplus tents on their Lafayette campus to house the homeless. Mm. Now, all these quote-unquote unattractive people, Mm. which is pretty rude, Uh made their neighbors furious. They had way more complaints. But Moore University said, according to the University of Sex article, quote, that it was a witch hunt caused by the long-standing activism of Barranco and others on behalf of the homeless. Okay. Morehouse attorney Richard Highland pointed out that Barranco was of black and Jewish heritage and therefore the complaints were based in racism, hmm. which the article calls a PC trick. Basically, yeah. the 90s way of saying there's some woke bullshit. Huh, yeah. Well, that's, I, I, mean, I don't know if his race really came into it. But. Right, right. And it's not like a school that's got or 
it's not like an institution like this that has a lot of problems can't also try, be trying to do good things for homelessness. It's very true. You know, like uh, maybe they were. I'm not going to sit mm-hmm. here and say, you know, they put up tents on their property and said, you may live here, uh, th- that that was necessarily a bad thing. I just don't know if they went to those people and said, and while you're here, you got to come 69 us. Don't worry, <laughs> you want to. You prefer to be a sex slave. You know, I don't know. Again, Right. Making wild accusations here based on nothing yeah. but what we're, the evidence we've been presented. But right. I'll say I don't pick up that you do any sex if you don't want to. Right. right. I don't pick that up at all from their vibe. But it does get a little like, OK, well, how impressionable are the people you're talking to? Yeah. How much are they willing to subsume their personalities? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like regular cult stuff. Yeah. Is how much is your personality kind of taking over my mm-hmm. brain? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And making me make decisions that maybe I would not normally make. Right. I mean, it's that coercion. It's exactly. like I'm not having sex if I don't want to. But did I did I want to or did did you make me think that I want, I want to? to? I, I mean, know. I don't know. I don't know. But calling Moore University a diploma mill might not be very fair. Hmm. Um, they did operate for about 15 years and they only ever gave out a total of 90 diplomas okay. in its lifetime. So this wasn't like they were just throwing them out here and there. You really right. had to do the coursework whatever that meant. <laughs> you had to go through all these different courses and you really had to like do something, I suppose. Jimmy, you're way behind on your bathtub masturbation. I'm going to have to give you a D. <laughs> I can tell you haven't been masturbating. And by D, I mean oh! a dick. <laughs> I couldn't find the exact date, but they lost their accreditation sometime in the 90s. Um, so they're no longer a university. They're not allowed to give out PhDs anymore. Okay. No one can be a doctor in in D. Okay. <laughs> a doctor in do. <laughs> and now their website says, quote, We are an intentional community founded in 1968. Our intention is to maximize our potential both as individuals and as a group and to have life be as much fun as possible. Okay. We consider ourselves social researchers and we study in the living laboratory of our lives and the lives of the students what reliably works and what doesn't work for creating a happy life. We present the findings of our lifestyle experiments in the form of courses offered to the public. And it's not all sex either. Like, you know, they have the advanced and basic sensuality, but they also discuss how to live together harmoniously, whether or not you're having sex with each other. Okay. Um, And they laud their, quote, one no vote rule as basically kind of the cornerstone of their harmony in the Mm, house. Okay. So essentially what happens is if there's like an idea for the whole community to try or like something for the house to do, like probably this military surplus tent thing, they brought it to the community, they had a big meeting. Okay. And they're like, this is what I want to do. I want to house the homeless on the property. Mm -hmm. Every resident has one hard veto. If anyone votes no, if anyone uses their veto, Mm -hmm. the whole community backs off the idea. It's never brought up again. Mm. Your veto is fine and good. And we hear you and no problem. Okay. But because everyone has the same veto power and everyone knows that everyone has the same power, mm-hmm. it invites a lot more compromise and discussion, they say. And so they have had very few no votes ever cast. Okay. Uh, in one one quote, it was only two wow. in the entire lifetime of the of the Lafayette Morehouse location. Okay. okay. And this is a similar rule that they teach for polyamorous relationships, or as they call it, getting strange ass. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. 
But they're and that kind of reminded me of how we talked about jealousy. Yeah. Because they're kind of like the goal is that we're all having fun, right? The whole goal is that we're supposed to be having fun right, right now. If one person isn't having fun, none of us are having fun. Okay. Our whole goal is for everyone to have fun. So if you're not into it, all you have to do is say no. No problem. The issue is dropped. And that's why I kind of get the feeling that there's not a lot of coercion in the sex department. Like, yeah. once you get as far as you're willing to go, they're pr- they seem to be pretty willing to be like, that's as far as they want to go. That's that's hopefully very true. Mm-hmm. I'll throw it because I've been getting more and more cynical as, as we've been I'm going more sure. into the story. And I wonder, though, I'm thinking about this. Everyone gets one. You get one veto. And I also wonder if that's not a way to sort of curb dissent because you're like, well, anytime you want, you can use your veto. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, well, I only have one. So mm-hmm. I don't like this thing, but I'm not going to use my one veto because what if later something comes up? Some real crazy shit. Like, for, like, let's translate it to the polyamory thing just for a smaller example. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say, let's say you and I are like, well, we're going to start being polyamorous, but we each get one veto to say if there's a partner here, we can say we don't like them. You know, I know y'all are having fun, but I'm not. So kick them out. Mm -hmm. But somebody might come in who I'm like, okay with, but not really actually happy with. But I'm like, I don't want to use my one veto now because what if the next person sucks worse? So I just kind of live in this sort of like sort of deal with it place. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That is something I wanted some clarification on that I never found. Was you get one no vote like per meeting Mm -hmm. or is it one in your life? That's what I wasn't entirely sure about. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me, again, I'm, I'm extrapolating here, but it seems like if this is all about every, you know, the whole town mm-hmm. and it's all about every, you know, decision we make together, you'd think it'd just be one per person because if everybody right. had one every meeting, you'd never get anything done. It's very true. So, so you're probably right. It could go either way. I mean, it's it's just another thing that is either exploitable or utopia. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's it's so individualistic. Yeah. Like, it just depends. Like, are you a strong minded person? Do uh-huh. you really know what you want? Yeah. Can you be led? How much can you be led? Sure. I mean, again, it's that coercion thing. Like, where do you know that yeah. you're into it? And where do you know you've been manipulated? Yep. Mm, yep. I don't know. Because at the end of the day, we're just, uh, you know, a bunch of walking tissues with a big slab of fat and electricity in our heads that's hallucinating <laughs> everything that we see. <laughs> right. And uh, we're trying to make, like, societal rules about things. Sure. when We should be, like, you know, eating figs off the tree, <laughs> sleeping in a cave at night. And, right. uh, you know, we should be sleeping during the heat of the day, have later nights. Oh, that's nights. probably better. See, this is evolution, evolution. in action right evolution. here. Evolution. Right here. A dumb idea and then a slightly better idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Victor Barranco died in 2002. And since then, Cindy Barranco has carried on his work as the leader of the Lafayette Morehouse communes. Now, their daughter together, Sugar Ann Gones Barranco, such a hippie kid's name. Oh, my goodness. Uh, she teaches several of these courses, including the man-woman conversation on gender. Uh, that course used to be taught by Victor, where he would talk about the different languages people speak. Man, you know, I'm speaking man-ease and you're speaking woman-ease, mm. which is all kinds of I don't. Even, mm-hmm. We don't even need to get into it. I don't, I don't need to tell you guys how, <laughs> how many problems there are with that. Of course, he said one of these languages, and I'll let you guess which one, is the voice of reason and logic, and the other is emotional. Huh, I wonder. <laughs> this is such brand new thinking. Yeah, right. In his view, 
women were meant to direct the man and the man was meant to provide the power, which is, I will say, is not a bad dynamic in a two-person relationship. But to say that it's already established which gender does which. Right. Now, it actually makes me think of my big fat Greek wedding Uh (laughs) where she's always she goes to her mom and she's like, dad's always saying I'm the head of the family. I'm the head of the family. And her mom's like, sure, the man's the head of the family. But the woman is the neck and she can turn the head any way she wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's like a similar vibe to me. Right, right. Still very gendered. It puts a lot of, uh, all of this, expectations and pressures. Yeah, and all of this is extremely gendered and very heteronormative, I will right. say. I've, I don't see anything about gay relationships mm. in there or anything like that. I'm Damn. sure they have them because they did talk a little bit about Susie maybe being a like a stimulator and sh- like oh, okay. maybe perhaps being someone who, sh- who did the stimulation of a woman who was in demonstrating the, chair, yeah. the three hours or whatever. Okay. Um, I did not find that in enough places to feel that it was verified. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah. And I know there's some threesomes there and stuff, but there's just not a lot of like, these are two men who are very happy here. These are two right. women who are, you right. know, like, so. Right. Non-binary was not even that, on the table. Not even there. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, eh, I don't know exactly how they feel about the gender conversation these days. Yeah. Because going back to this class, Victor is quoted as saying, it's like a boat. The woman is the steerer and the man is the motor. And once you can relax, man, and settle down into slavery in the motor room, what a gas! They take care of you sexually, feed you, and clothe you. They take care of all your creature comforts, and all you gotta do is shovel coal. All right. And then he sums it all up saying, quote, If you flash that you're a man... Just look and see what you're doing. And that's what a man should be doing. And the same for a woman. You don't have to do nothing. Just be old you. And that's steering. And he'll be old him. And that's the motor. And the more you be you, the more he'll be him. So this is sometimes when I'm trying to transcribe these quotes. I was like, they're definitely on drugs, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Because, like, sometimes he just goes off on, like, a whole other thing. And you're like, wait, you were a minute ago, you are talking about Cindy. And now you're over here talking about something else. <laughs> well, and there's something, there's some disconnect there between men are like this and women are like that. And that's how the function of the relationship is. But whatever you're doing is what you should be doing. Right. And you could just be you. And that's the thing you should be doing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. I, I'm like half on board with you, but half not. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's just that sort of style of, of speak where it's sort of left open to manipulation. Like there's almost it's a, a way that it's like, vague. yeah, if I word it like this, I can kind of make it mean that you should 69 me later. Right. <laughs> or, I, or, or, or that you should make me cookies later. Yeah. Like either one. Yeah. I can make it work yep. or whatever. I will say that I, I do like that he says, if you flash that you're a man, because uh-huh. that's kind of like and, and sugar in the video about the gender conversation uh, on their website, she says, if you're a person who identifies as a man. Okay. So I'm, okay. I'm like, maybe they do or like, well, if you're a trans man, then you're a man. It's fine with us. We don't care. You know, cool. I just I just don't know because they don't have a lot of conversation right, about right. that. Okay. So are they a cult? Oh. That's the big question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are going to take a quick commercial break uh-huh. and then come back and try to answer that for yeah. you. Yeah. We'll have a definitive answer in three <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Be right back.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host. Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. 
It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show, and we are trying to figure out if Lafayette Morehouse is a cult. Let's, let's, let's answer it once and for all. Because <laughs> <laughs> most of their libel suits arose from newspapers calling them a sex cult. Right. And they feel like they are not a cult. Okay. And in many ways, they kind of aren't. Because, sure. you know, in a regular cult, it's this one dominant leader. Right. Every, charismatic. Everybody's yeah. obsessed. Mm-hmm. Eh, that They kind of got that going. Um, but you're usually encouraged to cut off all your family and friends. Uh, you're supposed to either leave behind all your physical possessions or bring them and all your money to and give them to the cult. Okay. Um, and then, of course, you can't leave the grounds for any reason. The whole point of the cult is that you now live in this little bubble and you never leave. Uh, but at Lafayette Morehouse, you can leave whenever you want. Mm. Uh, many people work outside of the house. A lot of people live off campus. They don't live in the house. Right. Um, they have families outside of the house and everything. So there's none of that cutoff kind yeah, of yeah. from your whole family and friends thing. But, of course, there's some definitely questionable culty type things about them that we've already kind of talked about. Those allegations, for one, uh, are a little bit creepy. <laughs> What's yeah. going on with the kids? Yeah. I don't know. Right. You know, stuff like that. Um, but also, some of the way they talk about how it works for these evaluates, these newbies, uh-huh. is a little bit hazy and culty. In Sergeant Bilko, Ken Brown is quoted as saying, When people move in as evaluates, we push them, treat them like victims. Say you're working in the kitchen hard all day, doing your best, and you get to the point where you don't think you can do any more. That's when we tell them to drive to San Jose to get us a taco. And to top it off, we don't give them money for gas. We prove to people that they can do more than they thought they could so they can feel like heroes. Mm -hmm. Is that what they feel like or do they feel like they have to? Right. Right? Right. And I don't know how far away San Jose is from Lafayette, but probably far. (laughs) (laughs) It's a drive. I can tell you that. It's a drive. Now, Victor also taught similar lessons using a hamburger as an analogy. All right. So his his analogy is. If your wife worked really hard to make you a hamburger, uh-huh. and it has everything on it but the ketchup you asked for, and there's no ketchup in the house, and all the stores are closed, quote, if you eat that hamburger, you lose. You'll spend the rest of your life eating garbage. You've got to demand ketchup on that hamburger, or you're cheating yourself and her too. Anytime I'm willing to have us lose because of your inadequacy or mine— we both lose. Mm. I have so many problems with this. I do too. Right because, away. Uh, there's no ketchup in the house and there's stores are all closed. So are you just not going to eat? Isn't that not more of a loss? What What do yeah. you mean? I don't know. It has, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about two sides of it. On okay. one side that I, I'll say what I like. Mm-hmm. I like this idea that there's something you want. You shouldn't necessarily settle for less. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure, it seems like there's no way to get it. Right. But maybe there is. Have you really exhausted all your options? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, may- maybe there's some other way to make this happen. And I, I, I'm i initially really turned off by this idea of like, and she loses too. Like, mm. if I don't get what I want, then it's then you're also losing out. But if I'm out and like you ask me to bring you a, a, a hamburger and a milkshake and I forget the milkshake and you and I get home 
you know, even if you're just like totally cool with it, which you would be. Cora, I would never days, send you out back yeah, out for a milkshake. Right. Um, I, I still feel bad. I still mm-hmm. feel like oh, I didn't do what I wanted to do, which was to get you what you wanted. Mm-hmm. So I do kind of lose in that scenario. Right. You feel like you failed right? in a way, right? So, so that's I can, a lose. I can pull out a good version of this, but mm-hmm. it also reeks to me of sort of like this like beta conversation. Like if mm-hmm. you settle for less than what you demand, then you're losing out. Then you're not, then you're going to eat shit your whole life because right. you didn't get ketchup on this burger. Right. And I'm like, life is full of compromise and that's I how agree. you get ahead. Yeah. You know, if you sit there and don't eat because you didn't get ketchup on your burger, not <laughs> only are you a toddler throwing a fit, mm-hmm. but also now you're hungry. Like how well are you Real. functioning at this point? I, that feels like more of a loss yeah. to me that yeah. you didn't eat the food at all. Yeah. Even though I had everything you wanted but the one thing. Right. And Sometimes, then now you think to, oh, later I'll buy the ketchup or whatever. Yeah. So that I'll have what I want. Yeah. And then I'll have what I want in the future. What a lesson I've learned. Right. You got to learn from mistakes. They happen. Well, except no mistakes. Everything well, you I, do that's what I'm saying. is exactly perfect. That's what I'm challenging is this right. idea that, that, that there are there are definitely mistakes. Right. There have been mistakes all through the evolution of us as a species. Uh-huh. When somebody, when one guy in a camp was like, oh, let me eat these berries and then died. Okay. The guy next to him was like, oh, I'm not going to eat those berries. That's for sure. Thanks Glad for dying. Glad he made that mistake. <laughs> You know, the dead guy isn't like, no mistakes. Ugh. All right. You know? Yeah. This... No regrets. No regrets. Regrets. They also at Morehouse have a philosophy that all words are good. Uh-oh. Or that if you use a word, it loses its power. <laughs> so in the 1971 article, they used some racial slurs that I will not repeat. Okay. Um, specifically about black people. You can guess what they are, I'm sure, but don't say them. And <laughs> they also call, there's like a story about a guy who comes in and he's missing two, he had two fingers amputated. Uh-huh. And he felt real uncomfortable. So he had his fist curled up like he was hiding his hand right. away. And Vic was like, hey, Stubbs. You know, and it made everyone real uncomfortable because he uh-huh. was like, had said the unsayable. Right, But right. because he said it, the word was robbed of its power and the guy was able to uncurl his fist and he was able to just be himself. Yeah. But Until I'm like, he's in his room later that night. Like cries himself you to know, sleep? Cries himself to sleep, yeah. I don't know. I, I know some people who do feel that way about words. Right, and 100%. we talk a lot about reclaiming words yeah. all the time. So there's something to that. Yeah. But um, again, it as, as it's a majority white people talking it mm-hmm. feels very weird for them to be using racial slurs right and again a majority able-bodied people as well uh-huh. saying crazy shit i'm like well then what did Stubbs get to say to you vic did he call you names like did right. he get to to give it back right i don't know it doesn't tell you but anyway i i don't love that no it no, feels abusive and then be like oh you well you're the one giving the word power right um, so you're the one abusing yourself. I'm not abusing you. You're abusing you. And they, and it, if you feel victimized, that's on you. Fault. Yeah. They, you know, and that they may have even convinced themselves of this. But at the end of the day, it's I have found a way to believe that I can do whatever I want. Right. You know, I've I've lo- I've I've written logic, which is very easy to write logic. Mm-hmm. You could write logic about all kinds of things. You can explain away everything in a very meaningful sounding way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still using logic to allow yourself to have no consequences for your actions and to be able to do whatever you feel like doing. Right. Which they've literally said is their philosophy. Right. 
And so, yeah. Can you use your hard no on that? Can you be <laughs> right, like, hey, yeah. my veto is you can't call me the N-word. How well, about that? But there you go. Would you use it for that? Or would you be like, oh, God, if they're doing this, they're going to do something worse something later. Worse. So I better let this slide and can, and hold on to my no. That's yeah. the kind of thing where I'm like, I don't know about this one no veto right. power. That feels like another system of control to me. Sure. I got to say my one no for that slave auction they're going to try oh, to have later. Oh, my God. Whatever. Right? I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know. So, yeah. Marco Benito thinks that while a lot of Victor's behavior at the time wouldn't fly today, it still doesn't count as a cult. He writes, quote, they were hedonists and they sought mostly to have a good time in their little world. Their principal interest was in having better sex. They didn't even care much for making money. They only taught and recruited to the extent to fund the party, which they hoped they could return to as soon as possible. And indeed, all their courses are designed to be some kind of party. Vic's most famous saying is, enlightenment is when you realize that what was planned was a party. I mean... Sure? Sure. Yeah. I I push back a little on the idea that they did not care about money because they literally, like, according to tax records, had millions and millions of dollars. Right. At least at one point. I don't know what they're like today, but with all the property they had, all all the... Rental fees to mm-hmm. live there, all the course fees. They had quite a lot of money. Right, right. And I don't think they did not care about that money. It's so split. This is one of those, like, the first half of this episode, I was like, cool, these guys sound great. Mm-hmm. And then you get more into it. And again, maybe it's the hit piece. Maybe it's, maybe it's you know, journalism, journalists actively going out to make this place sound as crazy as they can. Mm-hmm. And that works. That's yeah. very good. I might be having my opinions manipulated right now. Yeah. But... Um, the history of any other time something like this comes up and turns out to be a little shady, even mm-hmm. Oneida, which sounded great. Mm-hmm. But then there's like a lot of really uncomfortable uh, um, eugenics going on and, yeah. and telling you who you can and can't have sex with and stuff like that. Like, you know, it feels very hard to trust, Yeah, I think is where I'm coming from here. Mm-hmm. And while I really do think that there's some decent foundations for some philosophies right. and uh, and ways to live your life in some of the stuff Victor was saying. Totally. Um, I, I am concerned about maybe how those philosophies were used to just manipulate people in some right. way or another. And like, it must be said again that no one has come out in the many right. years since right. that article came out or, or Alan Steele's 94 whatever uh, letter that he sent. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. So... Maybe most people are very happy there. Yeah, Maybe it's, it's just fine. Totally. Maybe they totally get it. In which Maybe case. Maybe the LSD really changes right, your. Right. <laughs> I don't know. But like, <laughs> and I don't even know if that's in, uh, involved anymore. Right, people right. People don't do LSD like they used yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if that's the case, then send me a pamphlet, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to hear from someone who's been, who was involved in like, had a great time. Oh my God. If you are a purple person and don't like us calling you that, please. <laughs> Write to us. Let us know because I would I would bring you on the show. You know, let's talk. I did find the Atlanta location. We, oh, we might want to go knock on the door. Maybe I don't Ooh. know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. <sighs> it's very interesting. I've been, like I said, I've been really cynical in this episode mm-hmm. and said some accusatory things. Some right. of which I stand by. Um, <laughs> but I'm also very just like how a lot of it is just how can you know. How can you know? How can you know? I'm very it's, uncomfortable it's very with some of the very individual life stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
you know, some of the allegations we talked about, no, no follow-up, right. no, no arrests, no right. nothing. So who knows if they were real? And it's true that, you know, alternative lifestyles do welcome a lot of hatred yeah. without any reason. Absolutely. You know, they're just like, I see people free and happy, living their lives, having a great time over there in that purple house, and I'm really miserable at my stupid job, down. and you shouldn't be happy. I'm going to say that you did some fucked up shit yep. so that people are <laughs> mad at you too, yeah. and now they all hate you. I think that does happen yeah, with no grounds whatsoever. Definitely. But, you know, it is weird when there's all these little whispers, you know? Right, right. And I, I'll say, too, that after Vic died, I feel like there's been zero controversy since the 2000s. When he died in 2002. Hmm. So I'm like, it could be that his personality was just a little too much. Yeah. Um, or he was just so libelous that he was like always starting starting <laughs> a lawsuit over some shit. And Cindy's like, I'll let it slide. Right. <laughs> and so they're just not in the headlines or something. But there hasn't been much since he passed. Yeah. That that seems to like nothing seems to be going on these days. I mean, going back to some of the stuff we talked about earlier about like, you know, did they pay off authorities and right. mafia and stuff like that? Like that, that does take a lot to it be does. able to a cover up of that scale mm-hmm. is something I think we often fall into this belief that like it's so easy to have a conspiracy and a big cover up and mm-hmm. all this stuff. But it's it's hard to do. And, and I don't think that this group is like as big as Scientology or something like that. No, not at all. Uh, which, which, you know, which they might have the more of the resources mm-hmm. uh, if if something like that were going on to cover it up or any or the Catholics or any any sort of big, huge organization with a lot of money. Right. You know, these guys seem a, a bit more <laughs> what mom and pop. I don't know, but <laughs> they're I guess, still big. I think I saw somewhere it was like between 60 and 150 members oh, at geez. any time. It's Yeah, it's not huge. Oh, okay. Well, and then when they were a university, a it was like thousands of people had come and taken a course or two. Right, you know? right, so, right. Not, not Scientology. Definitely right. not. So hard to say that they, they, they would be covering up things that are still going on there. And mm-hmm. I was going to say it was, it's the kind of thing that I feel like in in a more modern world if they were continuing this decades and decades later, I would imagine that leadership eventually became people who were truly devoted to mm-hmm. these this better way of life mm-hmm. that they really believed in, or they were truly devoted into making the money off of it and kind of turning it into a, a, yeah. a profit scam. It could go either way. My other question was, is it gendered in a way where a man's in charge? So people are very like, uh oh, he's probably getting laid wrong. Oh, you know, yeah, he's, yeah, he's sure, using sure. people. He's manipulating people. And then once a woman was in charge, it was like, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Which is not necessarily true. Right. I'm just right. saying uh, it's like their man, woman gender uh, course right. is all about how. Society gives you an idea of what a man and a woman's supposed to be. Yep. And then you lock that in. Yep. And it changes everything. Right. And you you should be able to fuck with that or use it to your advantage is kind of their idea. So anyway, I'm I just wondered, I was like, when, once it was a woman in charge, I wonder if people just stopped looking. Right. If there might still be stuff there, but they're just not looking because they're yeah. like, women don't do that, even huh. though women do. I don't know. Again, speculation. <laughs> Now, they might have inspired a cult because there was a group called One Taste that focused on meditative orgasms for women. It was very much about women figuring out how to make their orgasms more intense. Okay. And the woman who ran that did use a lot of Victor's techniques and teachings and stuff like that. Okay. She took all those courses and then used it in her One Taste thing. 
But they were way more monetarily exploitative, incredibly coercive. Mm. They were actually subject of an FBI investigation. They were subsequently shut down, even though there's still some centers that sort of independently operate. Okay. Um, so they might have inspired a cult. And yep. I guess that sort of takes away my gender thing because she was in charge of that and they definitely well, got looked at. So there you go. Women can be cult leaders too. Yeah, ladies. We Way can to do it break too. Break the glass ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> And I will say, too, in case you're wondering, um, you know, not everybody at Morehouse is polyamorous. Oh, OK. Um, they don't all just be piled up on each other. <laughs> uh, there are definitely many orgies at Morehouses, apparently. Okay. They really know how to party, is yes. how one guy put it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just waiting for the pamphlet. Uh, right. <laughs> Any day now. But some... Uh, some are polyamorous, many are monogamous, and some are actually celibate. Oh, okay. So, you know, there's a, there's a variety of sexual experience happening at yeah. Morehouse. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. What a subject. Mm-hmm. What a bizarre thing to look into. I still don't know how to feel, to right. be perfectly frank with you. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things in it that I'm like, totally, I agree. I agree. I don't like that. I love that. I don't like that. Like, I think that we'll, we'll probably have an easier time forming our opinion uh, when the libel lawsuit shows up in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll be real quick. Ooh. We'll have a whole second, very brief episode. We're like, <laughs> actually, like... they're great. Turns out they're <laughs> awesome. Nothing wrong. <laughs> Sorry about everything we said. Uh-huh. Not taking the episode down, but yeah, we'll we need add those, we need a those downloads. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, aunts. Actually, this sounds like great publicity for us. True. Actually, go ahead and file a libel lawsuit. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Not so fast. <laughs> well, thank you to Sean again for this suggestion yes. because it was a very interesting one to look into. Definitely. Uh, for sure. Uh, this is what this show is all about. Uh-huh. And I'm dying to hear what y'all think. Yes. I mean, do, is this a cult to you? Do you feel like it's fucked up? Is it cool? How, have you done it? I, I mean, especially if you know anyone or have been there or anything and you have some on the ground, hands-on experience. Yes. Please tell us what you felt like it was about or anything we missed or fucked up about this or misrepresented. I want to know. My dream is that a purple people eater shows up <laughs> at the house tomorrow <laughs> and grants me a rock and roll wish. Cool. A rock and roll wish. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we don't do that. Yeah. You're supposed to want things that like, you already have. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm back on the 80s movie, guys. Sorry. Uh, I, I lost I interest in the sex cult. <laughs> <laughs> First time you ever said that (laughs) (laughs) in your lifetime. (laughs) No, so reach out with your impressions about the Purple People and the Purple Palace or the Fuck University or whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, We are ridicromance at gmail.com. That's right. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at, oh, great. It's Eli. Mm -hmm. And I'm Diana Might. Boom. And the show is at ridicromance. And we can't wait to hear from you as always. Thanks again to Sean. And thank you for being here and spending your time with us. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. And I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.